Hey everybody, it's Mike or Ghostwalking on the Discord. And I just wanted to say thanks to everybody who introduced themselves and said hello to us at LVO this past weekend. That tournament was one of my all-time favorites and it was great to meet everybody and say hello and kind of just catch up after a couple years off. And we've got a very special episode today and we've got an interview with Will Pagani and Will Schick of AMG. I know it's actually happening. And we're going to go over a range of topics, including introducing them to the community, their philosophies behind the battle forces, and what current units they wish they designed themselves, as well as a few others. It should be a pretty good time. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We appreciate your support every time. and Enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Legion 99 podcast, your source for the latest tactics, news, battle reports, hobby talk, and general Legion chatter. All right, welcome, everybody, to a very special Legion 99 interview. Uh, we have two very special guests with us. Um, we have Will Schick and Will Pagani from Atomic Mass Games. Um, hello, guys. Nice to uh, finally get to talk to you. Hello. Hello. Uh, so I'm also here with Mike and Keegan, obviously. Um, hey. But uh, we've been looking forward to this for a little while now. Um, we have a lot of questions, and I hope you have a lot of answers for us. Um, so uh, <laughs> I think it will largely depend on what those questions entail. No Fair pressure. Enough. Fair I enough. mean, I think we'll have answers. I just don't know if they'll be good. They might not be good answers. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. I think we will know in about the next hour, but we'll never know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, uh, why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about like uh, your gaming background and stuff? Uh, what got you into tabletop gaming? Chick, you want to start it off? Oh, I guess I could. I was going to let you lead off. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, tabletop gaming. Uh, I really, I, I guess like kind of the roots that got me into tabletop miniatures gaming was my dad and I used to build model airplane kits from World War II in the basement. And I just thought that was super cool. Uh, and it was one of the few things that we could do together without typically winding up in like the father-son like power struggle. So we did that a lot. And then um, I discovered uh, Ministries Gaming. Like I, I discovered classic battle tech like way back in the day when it was still printed by FASA. And I thought giant robots are amazing. So I was like big into Macross and stuff like that. So I was right in, right? I was like, I can do this. And there's like they are. miniatures. <laughs> like this is, this is in. So I got that. I started playing that game when I was like eight years old. What a great game for an eight-year-old to play. But for whatever reason, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, and, and from there, uh, I did a lot of like trading card games, got really into the Star Wars Decipher uh, trading card game, the CCG that they did. Cause I love star Wars as a kid. Uh, and of course still do who doesn't, uh, in, in everyone's own way. <laughs> um, so like, so I was really into the card game, obviously like had a lot of that. And then because I was there, um, go into the game store a lot. Cause that was the only place to get it. And we lived in a very small town. They were like, Hey, you like star Wars. Maybe you'll like these other things. And they just brought in uh warhammer 40k which of course i think like most most everyone's origin story kind of starts with the gw game you know because they're just so prolific and back then it was like that was all there was really um because we're talking almost oh god almost 30 years ago now more like terrifying um <laughs> anyway so i got into that and um you know my parents and my family would all joke because I painted like, my little miniatures and I, and I played and I ran tournaments for the local store. I just got like all in. I was so into it. And they'd be like, you're going to make this a career someday. And I was like, you're ridiculous. Like, this is a hobby. I will, I will never do this as a job. 
joke was on me because um, it did it did eventually lead to me getting into the industry uh, on a lark. I, I applied uh, to some industry positions. I got one, wound up taking it, and uh, then wound up uh, three, almost four, yeah, three years ago, right? Yeah, it's twenty twenty two, three years ago. So about four years ago, got the opportunity to start working on Atomic Mass Games and start a new studio, and I got to do that with my good buddy here, Pagani. Um, we had worked together for several years before that and had a very close shared vision along with uh, Dallas Kemp and Marco who also started the studio with us. There were four of us when we started and uh, just recently got the opportunity of a lifetime to start working on some Star Wars miniatures games as well as the stuff we initially started with. So that's kind of like my journey in a nutshell. It just it just all happened. You know, none of it was intentional, except that I wanted to play games with cool miniatures and I liked big robots. So there you go. <laughs> nice. There you go. Uh, for me, I started my hobby journey back when I was a wee little peanut uh, after seeing some like historical museum dioramas. Uh, my brother and I started casting our own little lead miniatures in our kitchen is how I started with that. And we would paint oh, them wow. and stuff. And we That's would play awesome. games with them. And then we went through about That's a million weird. games. And then I was like, I'm a teenager now and I don't need to play games, which was obviously <laughs> a lie. Uh, so I started playing Mage Knight. <laughs> it was kind of my first like real entry into miniature gaming. And then from there, I jumped into War Machine and Hordes and all sorts of other games, uh, eventually ending up at Games Workshop to go back to Shix. Everyone goes here eventually uh, with Warhammer. And then, yeah, I, I just uh, ended up starting a game store in, gosh, I don't even know what year it was at this point, 2008, I think. Uh, ran that for eight years and then jumped into the production side of game development and game creation. And as she said, three, four years ago, got to start Atomic Mass Games with him, and the rest is history. Would you say that, like, your store ownership was kind of your springboard to kind of get into, like, the back room of game development? Or did it just kind of happen along, like, you met, you know, person X, and they're like, hey, you should try this out too? Well, so I played a lot of games at my game store. Uh, because I I love games. I played in a lot of tournaments for War Machine and Hordes, uh, traveling all over the country, all over the world to play those games and stuff. And owning the game store definitely gave me a chance to sort of fully immerse myself in games and learn a lot about what a good game is, what a, a not-so-good game is, and what can you learn from each of those, right? Because you can learn almost more from uh, a game that doesn't do very well, and looking at this from like a retailer perspective, right? Mm -hmm. uh, than a game that does well because you can see the pitfalls and things like that. So playing hundreds of new board games a year, playing essentially every major miniatures game as if it's released uh, to get to know it for the store, do we want to carry product for it, all that kind of stuff, was all, I think, very integral to my experience becoming a game developer. And then I guess that kind of also plays into the fact of like, if you've played every game under the sun, there's some that are very clearly meant for, you know, more of the competitive crowd and some that are more just, I'm going to get hammered with my friends and throw some dice together <laughs> on the table. Now it kind of spans the gauntlet. Has that like kind of helped to shape your, your philosophy on how you, you go into your own game design now with MCP and with Legion for like where the crossover between competitive and casual sits? Absolutely. Um, I think knowing the audience that you're designing for or working for uh, is very important in game design, right? And that can really 
give you an idea of what you want to do with a game or a release or even a single unit inside of a game, right? Um, we definitely have some things in Crisis Protocol where we're like, this is purely for the story players. Like, this is only going to happen for these people, and that's great. And they're going to get the joy out of that, right? And then we also have things that are like, these are for the people that want to spend hours outside the game building lists, thinking about the game, thinking about optimizing their strategies, thinking about all these things. And we have those in the game as well. And it's really important in my mind uh, to sort of be able to do both of those things inside of a game, because I think both of those avenues are very important. I mean, the, the biggest thing it comes down to with our philosophy in general, and one of the things that Pagani and I have shared a lot in terms of our game development mindset and led to a lot of the core values of how we approach things at the talking mass games is that, you know, a lot of people like to really bucket, like I'm a casual player. I'm a competitive player. There's, there's a camp. You got to pick a tribe. Like nobody really works that way though. Right? Like yeah. if you really drill down, even your most casual of person still likes the dopamine reward of building a cool synergy and seeing it succeed. Now, bonus points if that synergy is really thematic or narrative or fluffy, right? If it works the way that it worked in the movie, they're gonna they're gonna feel more reward because that's what they're going for. Whereas the you know the Excel crunching like super optimization person is all gonna be very focused on uh, like the numbers, right? How do I get the best out of the thing? And the the biggest thing with any game in terms of like good design from our viewpoint is like Pagani said, you have to marry those two things together. Like both, every every mindset and camp needs to have a safe space to coexist. And you can't necessarily, you can't as a game developer or a designer force those players to make good social contracts with each other. There's always going to be friction. But you can, with good game design, make sure that those friction points are as smooth as they possibly can be and as infrequent as they possibly can be, right? And so that's why we always talk about how you know, you balance everything with that mindset to the competitive, even if the game isn't competitive, right? Even if your your overall expectation of the game is that people are going to get together, tell a good story, have a great time. If you can do that, but then also have the ability for people who really want to go challenge themselves, optimize their lists, and duke it out to see who has the best grasp of the game, you know, the people are going to spend hours and hours thinking about the game, focusing on the game and all of that. And you can also have the person come in who just wants to show up on a weekend, throw their favorite characters on a table, play a game and have some level of success, whether that's winning or just telling a good story on the table. Like that's how you get a good game, right? The big communities, as we all know, are so important, especially to living games like Legion, that you have to kind of approach things from both ways. And I've never met, I've never once met a casual quote unquote person who does not enjoy a well-balanced game. Right. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. no one's been yeah. like, this game is not for me because it is too balanced. You know? <laughs> there are absolutely people. And I'm one of these people. I love chaos. I love randomness in my game. You mm -hmm. know, I loved orcs and goblins. Like I like it when things go horribly awry and you have to figure your way out of it. But I still want that experience to be balanced within the whole game. Right. I don't want to be disadvantaged immediately because I might want to play in a different way or to not have the game simply function, right? Like no one wants to, no casual player wants to have the experience where all of a sudden they have to go back to the rule book, right? Mm -hmm, right like yeah. that's the worst, competitive, competitive minded players will do that all the time. They don't mind going back and like really crunching into the rules. They probably know the exact page number. 
But if you're talking about a true casual player, the game has to be more tight for them than it really does for the other side of the camp, which I think is something that not a lot of people have to think about. And so they don't really think about it, but it is one of those weird dichotomies in game development and design that I think is really important to always pay attention to. And Pagan and I talk a lot about that with the other developers as well when we're focusing on, like, as he said, who are you making the game for? What's your target audience? Like, what are you trying to do? And how do you accomplish that in the best way possible? Do you find that it's easier to start, like, more geared towards something that's thematic and then kind of balance it later? Or do you like to start with something that, you know, you feel like does something unique, does something special, but still fits within the realm of the game and then add the flavor in later? So... Flavor is always the hardest part, uh, which leads me as a, as a developer and a designer, whenever I'm creating a new unit for any of the games that we make, I always start with like something crazy insane. And I'm like, there's no way this is balanced, right? Like this is going to be bananas. There's no way. And then, but it's very flavorful. Like these are the goals of the unit. Uh, this is what I wanted to accomplish. And then how can we balance that with things? So to me, the flavor and the feeling of it always comes first. Uh, and then you can figure out the balance from there, right? The balance is mostly numbers. Uh, and that you can run simulations on. Uh, you can run math. You can do all those kind of things. Uh, positioning and stuff gets a little harder for those, for, for games like Legion that have a positioning element. Uh, card games, it's much easier for that kind of stuff because you don't have to worry about where you put the card on the table. But yes, <clears throat> so to we me, always, it's always flavor first. We always talk about in development. Uh, it's always easier to pare down than it is to like build up. Like, yeah, it's you. You almost always want the initial take from your playtesters or the people reviewing it to be, this is a little too good or this is way too good, right? The second that somebody says, "Well, this isn't really great," and this isn't really good enough it becomes really hard to say, okay, well, how do I maintain flavor but also make things better? Like it's, you can get there, but it's it's much easier to like kick things off the cliff than it is to push them up the cliff in some ways. Yeah. And uh, and like Pagani said, I mean, flavor, flavor and narrative, especially in games that are derived from amazing IPs like Legion, where they have this robust mythology. And, you know, I think you you might you might stay for the game when it comes to like legion right you you probably stayed for the game but you came because of star wars yeah absolutely you know the first thing that got you was like lightsabers darth vader luke skywalker general grievous obi-wan kenobi like i'm in what is this about right and then the game kept you in so it's always important to look back to the core like what is what is the essence of legion and a big part of that is that it is it is a method by which we all get to engage in you know, our favorite galaxy, which is Star Wars, we get to go in and we get to have a part in creating our own little like ecosystem, our microcosm of the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I was just thinking, I love I love how you bring flavor first. That's one been, been one of my favorite things about Legion. And I'm also one of those guys who I, I, I didn't start with Games Workshop. <laughs> Legion is my first one. I came for the IP. Nice. Um, you both have a lot of recent experience working with some really established canon uh, flavor. How do you, how do you, when you're prioritizing that, how do you balance the canon fan expectations and rank really your own experience as a fan in that flavor stuff? That's well, probably it's a... the biggest challenge in general. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, well, from, from my side, it's, it's, it's easily the biggest challenge because yeah, yeah, there are lots of ways to do it, but 
the the biggest challenge is is that if we all secretly wrote down five things on a list that define Darth Vader, we <laughs> might get lucky and have fifty percent overlap, right? Yep. And not all of us would probably even hit that. Yep. Like what each character means and what's important about those characters outside of just the visual look, and even that can get muddy, is so different for everyone else. So you're really trying to like you really just kind of go for like what's going to touch the most, the most points. And then we know that some people are just gonna be like, well, you missed this part. And it's like, yep, we'll come back to it in a different interpretation of the character or, or things like that. And I think that's, that for me is the thing that always keeps me up at night. It's like, I know we can never make everybody's favorite character perfectly. So how do we get, how do we get close enough? For me, the test here is the Josh test, which if you've showed mm. up to me, Shavaganza, you know Josh. <laughs> uh, he is one of our art directors and an absolutely <laughs> wonderful soul. But if you have a design or an idea or a card or something like that, and you can give it to Josh and he starts like hyperventilating, like, you know, you've done it. Like if he gets nice. super excited about it, that's the one. <laughs> mm-hmm. nice. That cracks me up. Our, uh, our fourth member of the podcast his name is josh so that one that one hits nice and close to home so we'll make sure that we can spin that into some sort of some sort of joking title i don't know if i've ever gotten seen josh get excited about anything we have a different josh test i think but um i i love i love that uh yeah that that that's so nicely into into just legion like what's your elevator pitch for legion how many josh tests are you really feeling that you're succeeding at uh where legion is right now you know, I, I think like I think the elevator pitch for Legion, right? It kind of comes back to what I said before. It's um, Legion is a great way to make your own mark, to tell your own stories in the Star Wars galaxy, and to prove that you're the best commander. Uh, unlike that terrible Imperial commander on Endor who got beat by teddy bears, ah. or okay. you know. The, <laughs> The poor planning of the rebel evacuation of Endor or of Hoth. Um, like, I think those are the, that's really to me like the pitch, right? It's it, miniatures games are so much like a, they're like a coloring book plus because not only do you get to create your own artistic rendition of the things, like, do you want to do Holdra Blue Stormtroopers? <laughs> you can do that, right? Like, um, do you want to, do you want to have a, like, crazy Wookiee themed, like 101 Dalmatians kind of list. Like there are ways to accomplish that. And then you get to go in and through well-executed game rules and play and flavor and stuff, you get to engage with your opponents and then create this story on the tabletop that becomes your own mythos of Star Wars, right? Like we all have those moments where it's like, you know, Count Dooku charged into Anakin Skywalker and he effing murdered him and it was amazing <laughs> you know and we'll tell that story forever um, I on live so, stream uh, I had Yoda get bonked down by Kalani in close combat <laughs> so it's true <laughs> there it was everyone on that screen was convinced that like they were like goodbye Kalani and then <laughs> no it was Yoda it was Yoda Yoda was the one so yeah I mean the elevator pitch really is like have you ever wanted to tell your own Star Wars stories about galactic conquest? This is your chance, right? Have you ever wanted to, to kill an operative Vader with an R2-D2? Here's your game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here we go. 
it happens. Here we go. And, and I mean, I think I would add on one little more step past that, right? Is like, because it's, it's, you do get to tell your own story, right? But you do get to choose how you tell your story. Uh, and you can do that and sort of prove your own tactical knowledge as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's also an important part of Legion is, is showing that, that your planning and your skill essentially are important in the game as well. Because we all like a good level up system. As you yep. play more games, you're going to learn more about the game. You're going to get better at the game. And that, to me, I think is also an integral part of all of these hobby games that we make. I love that comparison to uh, being better than the commander who lost the teddy bears. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's important. I mean, you got to set the bar low for people. And I, I don't think you get any lower than that, right? Like, oh, man. <laughs> um. So uh, if there was a unit in the game already that you wish you had a chance to develop yourself, what would it, what, which one would it be? Oh. I guess we can kind of preface this with like, if it helps kind of spur the, spur the creative juices there, like what has been one of your favorite units that you've seen as you've like come into the game a little bit later and gone like, man, this is awesome, but like, I wish it did X. I... So... Oh, oh, you're ready? Ahead. You, you want to go first? No, you go first. Oh, yeah, me. No, no, you go first. You, uh, first. you tell how love... sick we are because we always answer the questions at the exact same time. Well, we like think it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I am a Mandalorian fanboy. Uh, so I love Mandalorians. And not necessarily that I would change anything that's been done in the current Mandalorians. And I guess mm-hmm. not even all of them have been released because we have some in Shadow Collective as well coming. Uh, awesome. But I would just want more Mandalorians, right? I would I would do some more unit cards that can use miniatures that exist, and I would do all sorts of different types of Mandalorians because I, especially with the show Mandalorian and Book of Boba, we're getting a lot more depth into Mandalorian culture and different options for the Mandalorians and stuff. And I would totally. I would love to take the miniatures that have already been made and then create additional things there. Maybe that's a cop out answer. I don't know, uh, but I think they look great, and I'm in. I'm excited about Definitely that answer, so I think that's a great answer. <laughs> <laughs> there are no spoilers here. There are no. Nope. That is nope. not a spoiler. <laughs> nope. I I think for me, like looking at everything that currently exists in the game when when we came in, it's tough. I I really feel I kind of I love in some ways the the way in which they approach the design of Anakin Skywalker with how his command cards work and the flaw card and things like that. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Like, and this is one of those, this is just one of those, like I talked about before, right? One of the things that always keeps you up at night is, you know, you're never going to hit the essence of a character perfectly for every person. Because we all have these different, like we all have very strongly different views. And for me, the quintessential Anakin really is developed in the Clone Wars animated show, not the movies. And, and I think the, I think the current Anakin is a great interpretation based on what we see through the movies and especially like Revenge of the Sith, right? Like to me, he feels like he's right on that cusp, but what I don't get from him that I would really, that I would have designed into him, like with my own biases and stuff is the, the more like heroic Anakin Skywalker of the Clone Wars Mm. that we see throughout the animated show before he really starts to like. Like, I feel like we're like in the, in the arc of Anakin, the Legion one to me feels very like, right. He's like, 
five degrees before the turn. Gotcha. And yep. I would want to do an Anakin that is more like, you know, 45 to 55 away from the turn, right? Like, yeah. because that's the end. And I think there's so much cool. And I, this is one of the great things about characters and stuff is there's so many different eras and interpretations of them. You can always come back to a character and do something really unique with him. But for me, I think that's where I would have gone. Like, I felt like that Anakin was great. And I think it does exactly what it should do. But it's not the Anakin I wanted. Right. I love that. I've been playing. Yeah, I've been playing a ton of Anakin. I'm, and I'm super into it. And I will say going back and watching the clone wars many years later like exactly like you said that filled in so many gaps like revenge of the sith made more sense to me with that journey mm-hmm. explained out and and that's that's awesome sorry begun i think i stepped on you no no you're good uh <clears throat> i actually just thought about this uh, i actually already got to do this with darth yeah. vader <laughs> oh <laughs> in the most recent points update we kind of had a rework of darth vader a little bit uh, yeah. and i really like where he turned out i i think it's it's really flavorful that he has compel now uh, and we juiced up some of his his command cards to make him a bigger threat on the table, and I, I love that. So uh, when so. I'm upset, when I lose to him, I should blame you for that, right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. But but you're losing very thematically. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> kidding, obviously. Vader's off. Awesome. Yeah, I don't play him enough for you to lose to him that often. It's true. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you really like. Uh, Pagani, you really dig like the different Mandalorian cultures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that I really like most about Legion is that you're almost playing like a little card game within the dice game of like the command phase where you've got your command cards and you've got your pips. It, yep. Are command cards and like, is that a good way for you to introduce some of that more like the culture and the flair to the card, like into the players? Like, does, do you think that that's a place where you feel like you can get a little bit more creative with their backstories um, as opposed to just like adding a keyword or making them do something with their weapon? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I think command cards are. I, I think, but and we're, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Like, what are my favorite parts of Legion and stuff? But I think command cards and we are battle deck <laughs> are my two favorite things in Legion in terms of like a game design. If we're looking at it from like a, a course on game design, uh, and I definitely think that that is a great way to add flavor. Um, and there's going to be some crazy command cards coming out of Atomic Mass Games in the future. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That one is a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> say, you promised no spoilers, and then here we are with spoilers. The worst. Literally the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, as far as, as far as character flavor, right, and kind of talking about Anakin, the command cards are a really great place to do it. Um, another place, which I'm sure we'll talk about as well when we talk about things we're excited about, are the, are the new battle forces that are coming. Um, because those not only let us combine some new command cards uh, to help better define kind of these very narrative uh, forces within the Star Wars galaxy, they also give us a chance to really meddle with what the standard army design is and say, okay, now it's this. And it really allows you to build thematic and flavorful and still interesting and competitive lists to take to the table. So I think we have a new tool as well as the command cards to really start to define that that identity and that that narrative flavor of certain things. I'm really excited for that for that stuff. Yeah, you you um, I I want to just kind of dive in a little bit deeper on that. With when you're bringing the with the battle forces coming in, 
and no spoilers, questions about the future are always going to be tricky, but can you talk a little bit about how you imagine balancing these battle forces in the more traditional faction-based armies? Um, is your vision favoring one or the other, or is it just a fun balance? No, I, I think the goal is for them to be viable, but not overwhelm the other, right? Cool. The, the goal here isn't to sort of replace normal army construction with these battle forces. The, the awesome. goal here is to give you another option that you can use or not if you want. Um, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, the, the dream, <laughs> and I say dream because everything is is evolving and things move in different ways. And you as a game designer and developer, we talk about this a lot too, right? We do everything in our power with the play testers and with our analysis and all of that to be as perfect as possible, but we're always chasing perfection. We're never going to hit it. Uh, and especially in a game like this, where it grows and evolves and, and players take it in different ways, you kind of, you set your goals and then you get ready to readjust and you tend the garden and you make sure that everything turns out okay in the long term, right? It's a process. It's a journey, not a destination. But like you think about battle forces, right? And if you're a player who, let's say, really enjoys arc trooper squads or some other non-core, or maybe you really love, you know, maybe you really love Hoth veterans, you know, mm -hmm. rebel veterans, like the Battle of Hoth is your thing. Mm -hmm. um, battle forces give us a way to add, you know, interest and options and opportunity for players who want to explore in different ways and then make those. You know, the ideal is if I, you can take all of the options, right? Because normal army building is kind of, un, it's, it's the gold standard because I can mix and match whatever I want within these certain boundaries and optimize my list, right? The battle force says, well, now you can't optimize as easily because you can only take these things. But because you can only take these things, here are kind of like the soft benefits you might get. Here are some new command cards that you can add that allow your troops to make up for the deficiencies that they may, they may have otherwise. Um, you know, spoiler alert, the, as we were going through testing with the blizzard force, which is the Imperial force on Ha, mm -hmm. uh, we actually developed a new unique unit type, uh, to account for one of the major deficiencies that we couldn't overcome in any other way. So oh, cool. there is, there is a new stormtrooper unit type that is allowed in that force only um, that you're able to use if you choose that. Because again, as Pagani said, right, you want everything to be in equilibrium. These all want to be, you all want them to be compelling choices. Uh, the important caveat to that is that we're not designing for perfect balance because perfect balance is boring because we might as well just play with, you know, nothing at that point because everything's the same. Right. But you want that curve to be as close as possible, right? So right. even even the lowest optimal thing is so close to the upper optimal thing that a better player can overcome, right? You yep. should never feel handicapped from the start from using it. But you might have to work a little harder for it. And that's okay, right? Because that's where the interest comes in. And that's where the challenge comes in, like Pagani talked about earlier with leveling up, right? If you can take, and he did this all the time, he would find things that in in games that he played that and i've witnessed this before like like nobody thinks this is good how do i make it good right <laughs> and if you keep that curve close you can come up with some pretty cool ways to surprise people and they're like i thought this was no good now i have to rethink this right because played with this way with this certain skill like is it skill is it is it combinations of those kind of things and again that's what really leads all of us to sit here and talk about these things for hours on end and have podcasts and hang out at <laughs> conventions and right 
you're always chasing you're chasing the game oh yeah i was was gonna say be still my heart what you just said about finding the thing that everyone else thinks is bad and making it good that's 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 my thing that's (laughs) i i played Jin and pathfinders from the beginning of their existence to um you know when they were made good with cassian and k2 (laughs) i'm with you man that's that's my (laughs) journey Yeah, I, in fact, pre-RRG, I set out for the for with Anakin for the and Barks for the very same thing, and I've really I found a little bit better luck there. So thanks, Republic. Um, <laughs> turns out red defense dice are really good. They're they're very helpful. Unless Pagani's rolling them, in which case that <laughs> my stream record is not the best on red defense dice. Uh, my stream record is not that great either. So I feel your pain there. <laughs> so, it's almost like you have show notes or something because you kind of let us into our kind of our next question there. <laughs> but you guys, you guys have a lot of history so far with your development, with what you've done with War Machine, what you've done with MCP, and there's a little bit of carryover between how MCP is structured with their like their their force formations. I don't play, so I'm not really sure what they're called, but like how you build your roster um, and like a battle force where they've got different connections based on you know like their abilities and their shared uniqueness what has been like most useful in coming over into Legion like that you've drawn from either War Machine or that you've drawn from MCP that you're like, I want to apply this here and this is how I can do it now? So one of the the big differences, I think, in MCP from Legion uh, in terms of army construction is in MCP, you can take anybody you want in your roster. There's no factions. There's no restrictions at all. Literally okay. any character you want can go with anybody else, um, which, which does then give us some information like what happens when you can take everything, which then can inform <laughs> us of things like, well, if we create these restricted lists of things like battle forces, um, what does that look like? Right. And it lets us explore that space and like, what kind of bonuses do you need to have in these things to make them worthwhile playing for the restrictions that are impl- imposed. Right. Um, War Machine also had theme forces, which are similar to battle forces in a way where you are playing a specific fictional group of people uh, and they have restrictions. Uh, we've, we've learned a lot from that. We learned a lot developing those back in the days at Privateer. Um, and we were able to apply a lot of that knowledge going forward into battle forces. It kind of comes back to Bagani's first answer when he talked about how working at the game store and really diving into so many different games and learning the ins and outs of them and, and discovering what worked and what didn't like allows you to craft your own, your own process for this stuff. The, the ideal of battle forces, you know, thematic subsets within a larger whole is not unique uh, to us at all. Right. We're standing on the shoulders of giants in many ways, learning the lessons of the past and then applying them in ways. So we, the approach really is like, okay, what did we like? What didn't we like? What do we think worked? What didn't work? What did communities think about this at the time? What didn't they work? And you take all of that data, you run it through your own personal bias filter, and then you come up with a solution, right? And ideally your solution is the best culmination of all the ingredients that you have, right? It's a lot like cooking. You, you have all the ingredients in front of you. You've seen people put them together in different ways. And you said, well, I liked it this way. I didn't like it this way. Now I'm going to do it my way. And then hopefully your disc kicks all the other dishes asses. But, you know, you never know, right? Like, taste is a very personal thing. Um, and and so it's why you have, you know, great playtesters. It's why you always try to be aware of your personal bias and look at things like, okay, well, what does this mean to this? Like, what does the community actually want? Why is this game succeeding? You know, what are these things are? And, and then you work that in too, right? Because 
you want to be a Michelin chef that cooks for other people, not just for yourself. That's the goal, you know? My big takeaway from this is Battle Forces are the top chef of Legion. <gasps> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I, I think that's actually a really good thing that isn't even really related to what we're talking about right now at all. But the we're not here necessarily making a game for us. And this applies to all games, not just Legion, right? Like we're here making a game that where the goal of the game is X, Y, or Z. And and the goal of Legion is a mass scale combat game that tells mm -hmm. Star Wars stories in really cool ways. Right? Like mm -hmm. that's and that, maybe that goes back to your elevator pitch. What is that? Well there you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> hey, hey, we're, we're a workshop podcast. We started out doing a right. show called Turn Zero, so we love this. <laughs> That was a poorly designed YouTube show, but we're, we're here now. It was a prototype. It was it was a great great yeah. series of pilots. Uh, I will say, actually, from doing that experience, you mentioned earlier um, how you bring whether it's battle forces, whether it's other construction of your army, mm -hmm. you're setting kind of the difficulty. Over the course of doing that turn zero show, I I really moved away from the concept that any games are won or lost at turn zero. Uh, and it's really mm -hmm. about just setting your own personal difficulty level for that game. Now you may be setting it on nightmare mode where the other guy's got it on this narrative, <laughs> narrative story, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I love that. I love that approach uh, to it as well. Um, yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it as well. Right. It's not, uh, one of the things, and you, you might be with me here, Keegan, one of the things that always bothered me so much or that still bothers me is when somebody says like, this is bad or this is unplayable. I'm like, yeah, no, oh, it's yeah. not. Oh, it's yeah. just harder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, describing something as trash is, is my trigger on, on all the Legion social medias. So. <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah, I can't stand it. I'm totally with you there. Um, what, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so if we're talking about difficulty levels, um, is there a faction that is like way harder on the nightmare scale to like bring new <laughs> units into? Like if you're creating something for the Republic, is it harder to balance because of some of their natural sharing abilities and like exemplar than it is to say like, throw a rebel in there who doesn't exactly have as many, you know, keywords that give synergies as like some of the clones do. I, I think the, you know, the Republic because of its, its interactions between itself, it has more kind of hard coded synergy definitely makes you have to be more cautious, right? There, there have certainly been uh, moments of extreme stumbling where you're like, this is fine. And then, you know, you see it in play and you're like, Oh, I didn't account for this. Um, <laughs> not fine <laughs> i still remember i still remember the moment when pagani kind of saw the matrix on clones and he was playing what was supposed to be a nice introductory playtest game with michael Plummer, who had just joined us mm -hmm. and he just started like cloning and all of a sudden Plummer was like i will never play this game again like he was so mad he's like i don't get to do anything i thought i would like what is even happening right now and it was it was kind of because that was the moment when the light bulb turned on and pagani was like oh i get it Mm -hmm. You know, I see how it works. And from that point, you know, once you get those things, you're able to address, you're able to address those things more up front and things like that. But there are other weird things too, you know, like um, things that you just learn as you go. For example, unit sizes, maximum dice pools, things like that, mm -hmm. yeah. um, that make anything difficult at times. You know, there, there are limitations that we, that we stumble into from time to time um, because there's just so much you know, to process in, in the game and what's there and, and then the things you want to do. Um, so it's always exciting. It's always exciting, but that's why there's a process and it's iterative, you know, so you can always, you can always adjust. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
from just not necessarily a specific legion thing right but the more interaction there are between units and between cards and between upgrade cards and between command cards right all of those are things that you have to go down a checklist to check so the more of those interactions that you have in any given faction uh, i think republic is probably the, the largest <laughs> i'm gonna put offender in quotes here uh but any each one of those interactions has to get checked and thought about right so the more of those there are inside of any one faction that's going to make it more difficult I guess the inverse of that is what, and it doesn't have to align. What is your favorite faction to design for right now? Uh, whichever one Ewoks end up in. Ooh. <laughs> I'm an Ewok fanboy. What can I say? I, I love it. I love it. We, we've heard, we've heard I teddy think... bears. We've heard, the, we've heard the name and we heard it at mini extravaganza. I think, that's, that's uh, right. I, I think it's, it's a popular thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, popular. It, it is. It is a, <laughs> This is a popular point of argument in the studio for sure. <laughs> we we definitely have the pro and anti Ewok camps, but that's the best part because then you know one one person loves loves playing the Ewoks and the other person loves shooting the Ewoks. So that's right. <laughs> you know everybody gets their way. Um, yeah, I, I plan if they ever do make their way to the tabletop, I do plan to burn them all with fire. So it should be a good time. <laughs> I don't care if my list isn't very good, but as long as it burns, the Ewoks will be okay. Uh, we'll have to talk about it later. <laughs> it's just it's just abstract fire. They're still fine. It's right. not actually yeah. melting yeah. them, I assume. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe you play the hardcore way, but uh, <laughs> normally. Normally, Le you don't actually melt them. Legion Legacy Edition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think... Um, like for me, the most exciting thing that we're getting to design and develop right now are the battle forces because yeah. it really opens up so much ground that is just so exciting. You know, the one of the things that I that so Legion is a game of player choice. You know, we talked about it. We said it in our elevator pitch. You get to you get to create your own Star Wars Legion force. You get to tell your own stories. You get to decide how you play within the Star Wars galaxy. But by the same token, as I mentioned before, the essence, like one of the main core pillars of the game is that Star Wars is the Star Wars mythology, is, is the stories. And you, you, can't, you can't do diligence to that and also just flaunt, flaunt it whenever you want, right? There has, to be, there has to be a method by which you can, that person who wants to tell their stories canonically, that wants to play the game canonically, can have a full canonical experience. And then the people who want to go beyond that and start sandboxing a bit more can as well. And so it's a really interesting, you know, it's a really interesting kind of development and design path to walk. And sometimes it can be a tightrope, like things like the Shadow Collective, the Battle Force idea was really born from the desire and, and the plans that were in place to do this scum and villainy kind of faction in legion but the challenge with that is like if you just throw everyone who you would consider scum and villainy in a faction you wind up with this faction that is not canonical at all right like mm, we don't yeah. see we don't see these characters engaging in full-scale galactic warfare you don't have for example like so many you don't have ewoks going off world <laughs> and invading <laughs> like imperial strongholds right like like so, so from the canonical standpoint, you have to have, you have to have a way that allows you to bring these things into the game that maintains the, the heart of Star Wars and to, and the battle force idea really allows us to do that because 
they, they give us that method to say, okay, well, if you want to play an indoor style Ewok force, this is how you do it, you know, and, and we can balance around it and it's, and it's contained. And so it opens up so much of the galaxy that before, you know, not necessarily was closed off, mm-hmm. but the challenge was, is how do you do it and not break what makes star Wars great? Like, and not break the mythology. Right. Because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, there's certainly, there've certainly been games out there and there are many video games and mobile games that kind of just don't, they don't worry about it. Right. Like mm-hmm. here's three versions of Anakin Skywalker and two versions of Darth Vader. And they're all on a team <laughs> and like, okay, like, yeah, yeah. but you know, on, on the other hand, like, is that really telling the story? Is that the experience that we want? And I think the answer for most people is no. Right. Um, but again, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those unique things. And that's, that comes back to why I think battle forces are so exciting because they just, they crack open the, the galaxy in a way that has not, I think ever been quite as open to Legion as before. Really cool, and you get the bonus of when those things get put in, you still have you still have your kind of player choice option of, mm-hmm. okay, well I have my standard list and I can take these things in these amounts. So if you want to really go off script, do it. Player choice, it's all yours. So so what you're saying is the the battle forces Ewoks are going to be super thematic, and everyone else gets therapy Ewoks like from the aftermath novel, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> They get they get moved off world, you know. There's a whole like ring, I, I assume. You know, kind of like how the porg thing happened. They just stow away. Exactly. Like, yeah. Off, yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like invasive species everywhere. It's like the it's like the Gizka from Night Sealed Republic. They just swarm your spaceships. Yeah. Now they're on Tatooine. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of things that we're excited for, um, obviously these battle forces are going to be super fun. Um, I'm looking forward to just having some new and like flavorful ways to put some of the the minis that have been on my shelf for a little while back on the table and, you know, exciting new ways. It'll be fun. Um, a lot of us here and a lot of us in the community of, with our listeners, we're, we're very focused as well as on like organized play and LVO just happened and we just had our biggest tournament ever and it was a smashing success. And it's, thank you. you know, kind thank of, thank you for the beautiful sparkle dice. Yes. Thank you for the dice. They are wonderful. Perfect. Enjoy. Well, you can, uh, you should thank our event and OP um, coordinator, Courtney, um, who joined us late last year. But uh, yeah, she, she handles all of that stuff for us and she's amazing, super passionate. So, and really excited to take our OP to the next level as well. Yeah. She really knocked it out of the park with the prize support. And um, I'm assuming then she's the one that helped Nick out with PAX because uh, we were the first event to actually get some, get some actual physical support from you guys. It was awesome. So thank you. Yeah. I, um, that 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 would line up. I think that might have been the very first thing she did. <laughs> We're honored, Courtney. Do you do you have any plans? I'm not going to say plans, but do you have a goal in mind, like for organized play? You know, uh, Pagani, you mentioned that you used to travel around the world and play for uh, for War Machine as well. Like, is that something that you want Legion to have, or is that something that you're going to kind of help prod in the right direction for the future, or would like to do for the future? <laughs> Yeah, so we can. So there's there's this interesting kind of um, setup, right? And this is one of the the brilliant things about the way Asmodee functions and the studio system in the right. So, um, like Legion, X Wing, Armada, all of the the games that kind of transferred over to us in the last year have this great robust kind of tournament 
format, right? Like there's qualifiers, there's a world, there's a big end, end world events and all of that. And those things kind of go. And it's, and it's very much our intention, you know, pandemic aside, which right. has thrown several monkey wrenches in the works that we're still like working through and clearly isn't done yet. Um, but, you know, the, the goal is to maintain that stuff and to grow it and to, and to kind of like form it to make sure that it's strong for the future. Um, and one of the real great benefits that we have is the resources that we have from the Asthma Day Organized Play um, group. They have the ability to make sure that, you know, those, those things in like different countries um, happen and they kind of take the front on all of our big global events. Um, and so we work very closely with them and, and Courtney is the primary liaison with them to make sure that those events happen. We plan for them, obviously, um, you know, like we sent out the, uh, request for everyone who got an invite to previous worlds that were canceled to like, let us know so that we can start, um, cataloging all of them, make sure the right invites go out. You know, the hope is that before the end of the year, we'll get to like honor those world invites and have a big event. Who knows? Sure. You know, but the plans are always in place. You plan for the best and then figure out uh, how to adapt when when it doesn't work out that way. So all of that is very much there. Right. And then from the store level, the, you know, having tournaments and, and running that kind of regular competitive OP, it's very important for community buildings. And there are definitely communities that want to do that. So the goal is to also maintain and build on that. I think, you know, the the biggest place where we feel like we can change things quote unquote, change things or um, make a dramatic difference or departure from what was before is, you know, the competitive stuff is great, but there, as we've talked about throughout this entire cast, there's so many other ways to experience the game yeah. uh, and to engage community and to build community. And even, you know, the most diehard competitive person probably will also enjoy just having fun rolling dice on some <laughs> silly scenario that like breaks a lot of the rules and does yep. things in a unique and different way, right? We all want to play with those miniatures that just sit on the shelf. Yep. And, you know, narrative or less competitive kind of events give you that opportunity to do that. And so that's another really big push for us as we move forward is opening up kind of the local store play and opportunities to have things that break the norm, you know, that offer different ways to play with these massive collections that we have and to experience things in a different light and just kind of build on the entire value of the collections that we've all built upon by giving, you know, new game modes. And some people will, those game modes might become their most favorite way to play. And for other people, they'll be like, that was really fun and cute. I'll never play it again. But <laughs> you had the experience, right? Yeah. And I think the diversity of, of opportunity to like break out and try different things and experience that stuff to us has always been a very core fundamental of what makes great OP, right? So... Hopefully that answers like the question. Um, oh, it's great. That, yeah, it's great to hear. You know, and these these are these are all these are all the plans, and you're going to start seeing some of that store level stuff. We have some very fun Legion uh, organized play events that are coming out. Um, the first one has a roaming Dianoga that attacks people <laughs> as you try to like capture stuff, and and so you have to deal with the Dianoga that's like rampaging around and. Um, the next one's going to be built for skirmish and it's a very unique skirmish scenario, nice. uh, that incentivizes you to take a whole bunch of commanders and operatives on one side and then masses of troops on the other. So it's kind of like a, 
uh, it's kind of like an Alamo for oh, the cool. United Statesians listening um, feel. <laughs> and, and so it's like, you know, he's he's a Texas boy. He knows all about it. He probably could sing all the songs they made him learn in elementary school. That is true. About David Crockett. (laughs) Um, That'll be, that'll be our real outtake. (laughs) Yeah. Those, those kinds of experiences, right. Those are, are really what we want to, we want to bring the Legion next, maintain all of the great stuff that was done before on the competitive side, but also start to really grow what organized play and events can mean in those ways. That's awesome to hear. I think we saw LVO proof positive how how ideal that is. We had this massive competitive organized tournament over the course of three days, but then uh, a day running that um, unconditional uh, unconditional warfare was that the right unconventional. unconventional unconventional warfare. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and hugely popular. Like so many, so much excitement to do just what you're saying. Break break the rules. Put like uh, three ATSTs on the table. All, all sort of a uh, all sorts of fun stuff like that. So. Yeah, um, that, that's awesome. And then do the doubles event the very next day, like right? Yeah, three yeah. of the three of the biggest Legion events ever happened like simultaneously, because people nice. want to play. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. yeah. And I and I think you know the there is there's obviously there's obviously with everything there's there's a limit of bandwidth. Like you can only do so much, right? Yeah. But I think it's people shouldn't feel like just because some attention is being paid to other things that that is in detriment to the things that already exist or the things they like. Right. Like nothing is getting phased out. And in many ways there's additional bandwidth and there's only so much you can do on one side. So let's like go from the other side and making that kind of like making a healthy ecosystem means that everything thrives. Right. Um, That's kind of my view on it. Yeah. is if we give more people more ways to play a Legion, uh, that will lead to more people playing Legion, which yep. is a net positive for everyone. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. I love that. Uh, we want to thank you guys for coming on. Um, this has been an absolute blast, and we only have one final question, and I think we can kind of use it as a, a segue to the to the outtake for you. But <laughs> we've had, there's, you know, the transfer from, from FFG to AMG is probably about a year ago now. Like, we've had a little bit of time and now that we're, you know, you guys are starting to come on the podcast and hopefully, you know, get your voices out there. You know, it's awesome to hear you guys talk. What is something that you really hope the community just like understands about AMG and especially how you're going to be like developing Legion and moving it forward? Like, do you have any kind of parting message in that regard? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, I think for me, like the message that I always try to get out to people is like, I'm always here for people to have a good time, right? Yeah. Like everything that we do and everything that we change, everything that we don't change, everything that we make, uh, everything that we don't make, like absence is also an action, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Is done for a reason. And it's because we believe that is what is best. Uh, and that goes for everything that we do uh, at every level for every game that we make. And Legion is no different. Um, we're, we're here to make this the best game that it can be. And as Sheik always likes to say, I would love to retire with Legion still going. So we're, <laughs> we're in it for the long haul and we're here to make the best Legion possible. Yeah. I, I think Pagani nailed it in one. Um, if there's anything else like people should know, you know, it's, 
it may not feel like it sometimes because we're all passionate about these games, but we are all on the same team. Yeah. You know, like ultimately, as Pagani mentioned, I think everyone's desire and hope and goal is that we get to play these games, Legion, you know, X-Wing, anything else until we die. You know, ideally ideally you love it ideally you love it to the point that, that you know you just you play it up until your death yeah and i want to i want to pass my legion minis to my children that's yeah, exactly. exactly i know that they, they understand the value right right um so so we all have we all have the same core desire right we're all on that same team the the how we get there it changes based on you know where you sit right um and so at the end of the day, even if you don't agree or, you know, you feel like mistakes are being made, we're, we're happy and we, absor- like we absorb critique and constructive feedback all the time in, in multiple ways, right? We're kind of always lurking. Um, mm-hmm. But just remember that, like, we're not, no one here is against each other. And that goes from, like, AMG to the community to the community itself. Yeah. You know, I've, it's always so sad when you watch people who have, who are passionate about the same thing, but in slightly different ways, rip themselves apart Mm -hmm. because you lose sight of the fact that you're all, you're all on the same team. Like you just happen to want slightly different things. And the amazing thing about games like Legion is that the experience is big enough and, and strong enough to, make room for everybody right again competitive versus casual all that stuff there's always going to be friction points in terms of what people want out of the experience but there is room for all of that to exist and for everybody to benefit from all of it existing yeah i love that so yeah there's my there's my message of peace love and understanding (laughs) about a game that is primarily focused on hard galactic civil wars and violent violent resolution mechanics well you you swung deathbeds into the message so you kept it on theme there yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and, and somehow i still feel like i have to go apologize to the opponent i just got really tilted at because he snatched victory uh out of, out of my hands earlier <laughs> thank yeah. you both for coming on so much uh it, it's it's been awesome to spend an hour talking with you and i uh, I, I think that you know I, I i know that our listeners really appreciate the the engagement we can, and we like to echo that same message of peace love and uh Brutal, brutal, brutal dice. So. <laughs> well, That's right. It's great to be here. Yeah, we, we really appreciate you taking the time and obviously all the work you do with the community. Um, you know, it's it's really important to have these kind of places for people to go and engage. And especially, you know, during times when we couldn't all get together at the game store. Mm-hmm. So really appreciate all that that everyone does here, too. So thank you guys for that. Love it. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys very much, and we will talk to everybody else in a couple of weeks.